Good morning and welcome to Malvern Hill Baptist Church on this nasty, rainy Sunday. I just watched our bumper video as we were preparing to record the message this morning. And in that video, everything's green and sunny. And of course, outside, it's just cold and disgusting. Last Sunday, I hoped and prayed for snow. And uh, uh, some of y'all prayed against me. And I'm ha- I hope you're happy. You got your way. There is no snow today. It is just cold and wet and nasty and rainy. Really sorry that we can't be together as we would like to be today. Uh, We had every intention and every hope of trying to make that happen this morning, but the reality is that with the power outages, uh, we just were not, or didn't feel comfortable being able to move forward. The power's flashed here on on our campus a few times this morning. Our goal is to get this sermon to you before we lose power so that those of you uh, who are at home will have access to God's Word. Before I jump into the sermon this morning, I do want to remind you um, you can give online. Uh, we, uh, we always talk about that when we're not here. The business of the church continues to move forward even when we miss a Sunday. So you can give online. The email that I sent out contains a link, but you can find that on our, our church website at malvernhill.org under the donate link. So if you're interested in giving online, you can do it that way. You can see any other announcements we'll get to you by email this week. Most of them were in your inbox already this past Friday. Uh, again, everything is canceled here today. There is nothing that will happen on campus. Uh, the office will be closed tomorrow. Uh, maybe some limited staffing, but for the most part, we'll be in business Tuesday uh, this week and hopefully running full bore. If you have your Bibles, you're going to be in the book of Philippians, the book of Philippians, chapter 1. And I'm going to read to you from God's Word, beginning in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 9. The Bible says this, this is Paul writing, coincidentally to the Philippians, that is the church at Philippi, and he says this, It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you would help us to think critically and to practice discernment to bring glory and honor to you. Be with us this rainy, wet day. In Jesus' name, amen. I I think it's a little bit uh, fitting that I would be preaching on discernment today, on a day when we've had to practice a lot of discernment. Uh, All week we've watched the weather forecast. As we've watched the weather forecast, we've tried to make a decision about how we would uh, manage services this week. Uh, I had said early on that uh, when they were calling for snow that our goal would be to get worship in and as long as we had power that we would do that. And when it changed to rain, we kind of stuck with our same thing. We didn't have any real con- uh, concern about the roads getting dangerous and so we decided we would do that. Uh, well, of course, here we are having to be discerning again this morning and make a decision early this morning to <clears throat> shift gears and move forward. But The question I have for you is, how can you practice discernment? What's it look like to be a critical thinking Christian? Here we have Paul praying for the believers at Philippi that they would be able to have discernment. How do you get there? I wrote a blog about this this week, if you'd like to, at my website, craigthompson.org. If you haven't already seen that, you can see. I gave you seven practical steps for practicing biblical discernment. Uh, Those seven steps all begin with the letter P to help you remember them. This morning, rather than giving you those seven practical steps, though, we're going to see it sort of four big picture things that you can do to practice discernment and to think critically. The first thing you need to do is to seek the right friends. Seek the right friends. Now, when we can, we want to read Scripture and get clear commands from the Lord. In other words, when the Bible says do this, then we know what we should do. 
right? If it says, love your neighbor as yourself, we know that we need to love our neighbor. But there are other aspects of God's Word where we don't necessarily get a specific and, and direct commandment or instruction. Sometimes there are other things at play where we need to pay attention. And here in this passage to the Philippians, one of the things that is at play is that we need to take account of the person who is writing this letter. The Bible says that this was the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Philippi, and he said, It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. The Philippians had a friend in Paul, a friend who would challenge them, a friend who would teach them, a friend who would train them and raise them up, a friend who would do all of these things. Listen, do you want to be a critically thinking person? Do you want to be the kind of person who practices good, regular, biblical discernment? You need to surround yourself with really good friends, the right kind of friends. You need to surround yourself with like-minded people, with Christian friends who share your same values and beliefs. As parents, one of the things that's jumped out to Angela and I uh, really early on and stuck with us is that we tend to gravitate toward those families where the parents have the same values and morals as we do. Because when they have the same expectation, even, for instance, of discipline in their children, the relationships are easier, right? I don't, I don't have to worry quite as much. We need to make sure that we have friends who share our values. Surround yourself with people who will pray for you, who will challenge you, who will want the best for you. This morning, as we were trying to make a decision about what we were going to do here, there's a lot of people in our church that I can call, and they'll say, Pastor, I appreciate you, and we'll support whatever direction you want to go. There's a few people in this church I can call that say, Pastor, I appreciate you and I support whatever you want to do. And then they'll say, however, I don't think that this or that would be the right decision. I called one of those people this morning. I said, hey, brother, I'm thinking that maybe we need to cancel. They've got this thing going on. And he said, well, you know, I'm going to be the devil's advocate, and I don't think we should. Well, he and I actually came to an agreement, and we, we ended up in the same place. But I called him for that very reason because I knew what he was going to say to me. Do you have friends in your life who are going to disagree with you? Do you have those friends who you know are going to disagree with you and their disagreement is actually valuable for you? You need that kind of person regularly. Let me tell you this. If no one ever challenges you, you have a problem. If no one ever challenges your decisions, you have a problem. Now, the problem might be you. You might be the kind of person who comes across so strong that other people refuse to challenge you. It might also be your friends. It might be that you've not surrounded yourself with people who have strong enough personalities to confront you. I am one of those people with a very strong personality. Part of being discerning in my life is recognizing that and making sure that I surround myself with the kind of people who've got enough backbone to, 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 to get in my face and to challenge me on decisions that I would make. Another part of being discerning is inviting people to do that, right? Inviting people to come into your life and to challenge or question you. We need that in our lives. Seek the right kind of friends. The second thing you need to be able to do is to ask the right questions. Paul's prayer, in part, is that they will be able to determine what really matters before you can know what to do, oftentimes you need to know the right questions to ask. For instance, if you want to become a more godly person, there are at least two questions you need to ask. Number one, you need to ask, what is a godly person? Makes sense. The second thing you've got to do is you've got to ask, what kind of person am I? You understand? 
with those two questions under your belt, you can begin to ask more questions. So if I know what a godly person is and I know what kind of person I am, I can then ask this question, what do I need to change so that I can become a godly person? Paul's prayer is that they would be able to determine what really matters. Folks, before you can determine what really matters, you've got to begin asking yourself a series of questions, right? So I'm going to say, what matters? Well, I need to go to God's Word and find out what God's Word says. Because, look, God's Word is going to tell me one thing. The world is going to tell me something else. The world may say that what really matters is he who dies with the most toys. Whereas God's Word says that what really matters is, is that we would love God, love others, and change the world. How do I impact, how do I, or excuse me, how do I, how do I allow those things to impact my life? How does that affect my, my discernment process? You've got to be willing to ask the right questions. So this morning, just as a See, normally we're talking about discernment as choosing between right and wrong. Well, honest and truly, 80, 80%, 90% of the time, choosing between right and wrong is not really an issue of discernment. It's a matter of obedience, usually we're able to know this is the right thing and this is the wrong thing. We know that abusing another person is wrong. We know that you know, uh, cheating on your spouse is wrong. Cheating on your taxes is wrong. That's not a discernment issue. That's an obedience issue. The question is not, do I know what to do? The question is, will I do what I know I should do? Discernment, oftentimes, is choosing between two good options to try and identify what the best option is. So again, this morning gives us a really good opportunity, a really good example. We're, we're trying to decide whether or not we should have in-person worship services or we should go completely online. How do we make that de de decision? We've got to ask the right questions. We've got to get down to what are the right questions. Our first question was, was, number one, how do we glorify and honor the Lord? Number two, how do we take care of our people and meet, minister to them and meet their needs? Number three is, how do we keep our people safe? Well, we've answered all three of those questions, and, and, and after we've asked all those questions, we've decided to move forward with worship. But the fourth question then comes in, can we actually worship in person? Are we going to have the things, the resources we need to make it happen? Well, this morning, the curveball that gets thrown our way is we lose confidence that we're going to be able to have that as power continues to fall down around us. So uh, asking the right questions gets us to, a, to the right answer. When I'm asking those right questions about godliness about righteousness, about holiness, I've got to make sure that I'm asking questions that a Christian should be asking, not the questions that the world is asking. So what is a godly person? What does that godly person look like? What does that godly person do? We talked about this last Sunday. It's not just what does that godly person believe, but what does that godly person do? How does that godly person behave? What kind of words does a godly person use? I'm trying to get through the sermon relatively quickly today because we're trying to beat the power outage that we know are coming. But one of the things that we want to challenge parents to be asking a lot of questions related to discipleship, related to discernment, is to ask questions related to the, the, the entertainment options that you're using, the technology choices that you're making in your home, right? So when I make a technology decision in my home, the, the decision that I'm making is not always between what is right and wrong, but sometimes what, what is good or best. I'll give you one example. Just in my own home, Angela and I, we, we moved into a new home about two years ago. And when we moved into that home, we had an opportunity to orient our furniture. 
And we made a conscious decision. We didn't come up with this on our own. We had read a book um, called The Tech Driven or The Tech Wise Family that helped us to think more carefully through the way that technology interacts with our family. And when we laid out our den, our living room area, and for those of you who've been to our house, you'll see what I'm talking about, we made a conscious decision for the television to not be the centerpiece of that room. Now, if you walk into our den, our furniture is laid out kind of awkward in relation to the TV. The TV's on one end, and there's a couch here, and there's a couch here. The centerpiece of our den is the fireplace. And we made a conscious decision to not put a TV over the fireplace. Now, if you did that, I'm not mad at you. I'm not judging you. I'm just telling you the thought process for us, the questions that we were asking was, what do we want to be the focus of our family when they gather in that room? And we want to do everything we could for the TV because the TV is a part of our family. It's a part of our life. We watch movies together. We watch football. We watch baseball. We do all those things. But we wanted something else to be the centerpiece. We wanted people to be able to come in and sit down and for there to be conversation that did not have to revolve around this gigantic TV that exists in the middle. That's a process of discernment. When you think about how what, what classes your children are going to take in college and you're helping them to work through those processes, that's a process of discernment. When you think about what kind of entertainment options are going to come into your home, that's a process of discernment. But we've got to ask the right questions. Asking questions like, what do I want to become? What do I want my children to become? What do I hope that they will be 10 years from today? Ask the right questions. So seek the right friends. Ask the right questions. Number three, apply the right lessons. Look, Paul says, he says, um, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and be pure and blameless the day of Christ. How is it they're going to approve? They've got to apply the right lessons. Now, what are they? Well, they're scripture lessons for sure, without a doubt. They're scripture lessons, but they are also life lessons. Now, part of the process of discernment is taking God's word and applying it to everyday, uh, everyday experiences and everyday decision-making processes. So we'll come all the way back to where we began. Love the Lord, or excuse me, love your neighbor as yourself. So uh, there's a billboard in our community that says something like, love yourself first. My two, um, uh, my two youngest kids have both been in the truck by themselves with me at separate times as we passed that billboard, and it jumped out and it caught their attention, and they said, is that right? Should you love yourself first? Well, the, for me, we're immediately going back to God's Word. What does God's Word say? You know, consider others better than yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. When we think all those th- take all those things into account, what do you think it means? What do you think is best? So that's applying God's Word to a discerning moment, to a decision-making process. But there's also life lessons that come into informing these processes of discernment. Right? So as I'm trying to apply God's word, I also ask the question, have I experienced anything like this before? And what was the outcome? When I made this decision, I spoke to my wife this way, did it result in us having a closer relationship? Or did it result in us having division within our relationship? Let's come back to the decision about what we were going to do for service this morning. Today is this really good example. Why did we cancel life group? The reason we canceled life group early this morning was not primarily related to weather. The reason we needed to cancel life group this morning is because we had several more COVID-positive cases pop up in our church over the past several days. 
And many of those are in our children and student ministries. We didn't have any degree of confidence that we could have enough uh, leadership on campus to appropriately take care of our kids and our teenagers. Um, you couple that with just putting people in small areas, and we just made the decision as leadership that it was best for us to not have life groups so that we could make sure that we took care of everything well, right? Then we get to making a decision about worship. Craig, why didn't you, as our pastor, urge us to go ahead and cancel service? Because I'm going to tell you why. Too many times we've canceled service here three days out or two days out only to have the sunshine um, when it was time for service. We, we had a, a lot of pastors in this community. We have a good time remembering a, a Wednesday night when everybody canceled everything because there was a, a threat of, uh, of inclement weather. This was uh, like tornadic weather, th strong thunderstorms, things like that. And at 6 o'clock on th that Wednesday afternoon, the sun was shining. It was a beautiful day. Y'all, I want to do everything I can to get these things in. I want us to be able to gather for worship. And because too many times we've seen the weather forecast get missed, and because we were really working on this, this line of whether or not there was going to be anything or something or nothing, we just decided that we want to do everything we can. So, so there's this discernment, this decision-making process where we're applying the right lessons. Well, guess what? The lesson we learned today is going to go into play for the decisions that we'll make in the future. When we think about this in the future, somebody walked in the office a little while ago and said, maybe we should have made this decision yesterday. And he looked at me and he smiled. He said, eh, maybe we should have, maybe not, who knows. Well, we don't know what we'll decide on the next, next step. But when it comes to these discerning things, we've got to apply not just God's word, we've got to apply the decisions, or excuse me, the experiences of the past, apply our life lessons um, so that we can know how to do this. Y'all, we really find ourselves in a mess when we just go, I'm only going to live in the moment. I'm not going to worry about what happened before. We need to have good memories so that God's word is infiltrating us and helping us to make these decisions. And then we're also looking back at the decision we made in the past. And we're seeing the way that they, the, the, excuse me, the results of those decisions and allowing that to inform the decision we'll make in the future. Fourth, this morning, we want to bring glory to the right God. Look, Paul says that he wants them to be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. We want you to bring glory to the right God. We all worship something. I want you to point glory to the right God. I was reading just last night. As a matter of fact, it's, the, it's a book that uh, Kevin's recommended, and uh, Adam and Betsy are going to be leading an equipping study on it um, in, in February. But this book points out that in our brains, the same regions that, um, that are active in our worship are often active in our materialism. And, and especially for these power brands that we, we, if we're not careful, we give the same sort, even if it's not the same amount, the same sort of devotion to the things that we possess, to the sports teams that we celebrate, as we do to the God that we worship. It's a similar response in our brain. Y'all, part of the discerning process as believers is wrestling with the question of, which God am I bringing glory to? Is it the God of this world or is it the God of all things? How can I make certain that people see me first and foremost as a lover of Jesus and not as something else? I, I, I'm like y'all. I have particular brands that I am committed to. 
uh, pretty, pretty strongly. I, I'm reaching in my pocket because I'm, 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 an, I'm an Apple guy. Uh, wow, there's a lot of text message on this phone this morning. Apparently a lot of y'all are working through the discerning process. But I, 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 we, we, I have uh, an Apple, Apple phones, have Apple computers, Apple tablets, uh, or iPads. I've got all of those things. Uh, well, I want to make sure, though, as crazy as it sounds, that people see me as a lover of Jesus before they see me as a, a committed devotee of Apple. I want to make sure that people see me as a lover of Jesus before they see me as a committed devotee of, of the South Carolina Gamecocks. I want to be on the winning team, and unfortunately my Gamecocks too often aren't. But we know that Jesus wins in the end. Listen, we're all going to worship something. We're all going to bring glory to something. We're, we're, going, to, we're going to influence the people around us to give their attention to something or someone even to a, a belief or an ideology. Y'all, we want to make certain that we're bringing glory to the right God. Not the God of politics or materialism. Not the God of this age. But the God of the Bible. That over and over and over again, Paul's prayer for the Philippians is that they would practice discernment not just so they would be happy and wealthy. No. Why? To the glory and praise of God. Y'all, I want you to know that you can think critically. You can think critically. Too often, we just take whatever's been spoon-fed to us, and then we regurgitate it back out, rather than taking it in, trying to digest it asking the right questions about it, running it by friends around me, applying the right lessons and, and, and bringing glory to God. I was in a meeting just a few weeks ago, and I fell in the meeting. I just appreciate what he said. He said, I, I don't have a specific objection to what's being addressed in here. He said, but something just doesn't sit right with me. I just feel uncomfortable. Y'all, that feeling of discomfort is not something we should ignore. Instead, we need to have godly friends around us that we can go to and say, I have this concern or this discomfort. Can you help me work through it? It's possible that they'll look at you and they'll say, you know, I see that, that concern, and we need to dig in. They might also look at you and say, hey, Craig, I think that this is not anything for you to be worried about. But having the right friends allows us to do that. Those friends help us to ask the right questions. I'm not always a systematic thinker. I have friends who are. And so when I go to them with a concern or a problem, I say, this is where I am and what I'm thinking. This is how I feel about this particular situation. I have friends that can help me to actually formulate my questions in a better way. I can ask them. Then I apply the right lessons. Okay, now that I know, now that I've got somebody that's helped me to think through this, now that I've asked some good questions, now let's see, where does God's Word speak to this? Well, God's Word doesn't speak directly, for instance, to whether or not we should gather for worship on a Sunday when there's freezing rain. It doesn't give us specific direction in that particular situation. So what we're trying to do in that point is we take the whole counsel of God's Word and we apply it. You know, we look at Hebrews, it says we shouldn't forsake the gathering together of ourselves as a group of believers. And we say we, that, that, that comes into play for us making a decision of, hey, if we can, we want to make sure that we're there. We, we want to make sure that we're honoring the Lord. Then we go through that same process I just talked to you about. Can we honor the Lord? Can we keep our people safe? 
right? And then we get all the way down to number four on our list, which was what? Can we actually pull this off with, an, with, with electricity? And that's where we find ourselves this morning. We tried to apply God's word, but when we got to asking all the right questions, if we'd stopped, we'd just say, hey, Hebrews says, don't forsake. And when we read that, we go, well, we better have worship no matter what. Well, discernment is not the same thing as legalism. Discernment is applying the full counsel of God's word to our decision-making process, applying the right lessons, and then finally bringing glory to the right God. We don't do these things so that we'll get pats on the back. We, we don't make these decisions so that somebody will say, look at that smart guy, Craig Thompson. No, no, ultimately in all things, we're living just as Paul prayed, so that we'll be filled with the fruit of righteousness to the glory and praise of God. You can think critically. You need to think critically. Seek out the right friends who will ask you the hard questions and encourage you to think critically and help you to think critically. Ask good questions. Apply the truth. And then, y'all, let's bring glory to the right God. Unintentionally, we sometimes point glory in all the wrong directions. Let's make sure that we do enough hard work to get our glory pointed in the right place so that God will be glorified and honored. Just last night, in closing, um, we had a pretty quiet night. We are all reading and one of the kids, one of my young, little ones, both of them were reading Bible story books. And we, <clears throat> we sort of assume a lot of things as we become adults, things, things that we've read over and over and over again that begin to make sense, and we just don't ask a lot of questions. And one of my kids was reading, said, okay, so it was Moses on the mountain. Yes, it was Moses on the mountain that received the Ten Commandments. Okay, did Moses see God? Well, Moses saw God's glory on the mountain. I just love this. Well, that doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know what that means. I appreciate the humility of a child. As adults, we go, oh, yeah, the glory, got it. But the humility of a child that says, I don't know what that means. I looked at Angel. I said, I'm tired of being the pastor in this home. Can somebody else please answer the hard questions? I said, well, it's, just imagine, I said, it's, it's hard and we're still trying to wrap our brains around even as adults, but just imagine it's, 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 it's sort of a cloud of God's holiness and glory. I can't imagine seeing holiness. <sighs> well, just imagine it's a cloud and it's great and beautiful. She says, I think I'll just imagine it like glitter and rainbows. Does that sound about right? I said, you know what? That sounds great. It's a glittery cloud of holiness. She said, That's what I like, a glittery cloud of God's holiness. I don't know for sure if God's glory is a glittery cloud, but I do know that having people around us that help us to ask hard questions helps us to dig down into the truth and to think critically about God's Word and about our decisions, about how it is that we should live so that we bring glory to the one and only true God. I'm really sorry that we couldn't gather in person today. I'm sure that since we decided to record this video and cancel everything, that the weather will be just perfect. And at 10.30, we could have been here today. But what we do know for sure 
is that we're together uh, virtually. What we know is that we can still worship the Lord today. Um, and uh, I just, my prayer for you is that you will be discerning in the decisions that you'll make today and in the coming days, that you'll be safe and warm. And I look forward to seeing you again Wednesday and next Sunday. God bless you. I hope you have a really great week.